This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome, welcome back to Studio Secrets A to Z. I'm Anthony J. Resta, your host, and this week we're jumping into part two of our Make Noise music interview with founder and CEO Tony Rolando, and we're going to jump in to talk about his music. Welcome back, Tony. I'm going to jump right into a piece from your album, Breakin' is a Memory. Um, it's called Broadcasting Live from the Funhouse. Here it is. Thank you. 
broadcasting live from the Funhouse. That's super cool. I could do a whole entire episode just talking about how you, you know, compose this kind of music. It's really cool. Let's get into, you know, your philosophy on that a bit. Oh, absolutely. For me, I I just love that um for a long time, I wasn't making music myself. I, I just wasn't really feeling that inspiration, but I was still able to be a part of the musical conversation through the instruments that we make at Make Noise. I, I really enjoy being around musicians. I enjoyed that I still got to hang out and talk with Alessandro, or or I've, I've met, I haven't chatted with Heimbach quite so much, but I've met him and I've gone and seen him play shows and so it was, it was, that was, I think, still is, I think one of the best things about, about Make Noise is that I get to work with great musicians. Oh, Robert A.A. A. Lowe, I was just hanging out with him up in New York City um, the previous weekend, and he was uh, showing me uh, a rough cut of a documentary he just finished scoring, and, and he's telling me how he, he used uh, Spectrophone here or there or whatever, but it just, I think it, it's, it's not so much that he used something that make noise makes, but that he's, it's, it's like getting to be there and he's excited about it and showing you what he's done with it. And it, and it sounds incredible. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. It's like you're in that moment with them. It's cool stuff. And I really, you're very meticulous about it. And it, it, you just, you have a mission and you, I followed some of your videos in, in your creative process. And I wanted to uh, ask you about like your music making journey. How's that, been intertwined with the development of make noise or do you feel like they're like two separate things like being a ceo and a musician and a designer how how does that all like how does that all work with for you like (laughs) did it just over time um develop it it came back kind of suddenly after spending so much time especially working with alessandro on the strega um i mean it's funny because alessandro is actually younger than me by a few years quite a few but he has this uh, sage-like presence, um, especially when it comes to music. And I feel like I spent, you know, I was lucky enough to spend quite a bit of time with him to where a lot of that just rubbed off on me. And I felt very uh, compelled and inspired to make music again. And it's, it, I mean, it, it seems strange well, to that, that, that happens. pin that on one person but i mean that's kind of the truth i wasn't really thinking about doing music but it just i just his enthusiasm for sounds and, and composition and all of it it just made me want to chase that again and um as far as how that works with make noise that's a more delicate balance because the, the so one of the things that i learned is that i have to separate the engineering and developing side from the creative side like the music side not that you can't be creative in development and engineering because you absolutely can it's just a different type of creativity and the reason i need to separate them is that it can interrupt the creative flow when you're trying to play write compose music Um, if i'm if i'm working on a piece of music and, I, and I'm using a prototype, for example, and I notice a problem with how that prototype is behaving, I'm very likely to get out of the flow of making that music and go into the flow of, of, of documenting and trying to understand a way to fix exactly how to fix that, that behavior. This, you know, the, this, this module isn't behaving correctly. What do we need to do? 
And so the way that I've found is to help with that is to not have prototypes in my music studio, leave prototypes in the engineering room. Um, now that doesn't mean I won't bring them in and play with them from time to time to check them out and see how they work with other things. I will. It's just, I don't leave them there. I try to like, I bring them in with like a purpose, like, oh, I have a new firmware for the Spectrophone. I'm putting it into my system and I'm going to test it and play with it for a while and see how it feels. But then when I'm done, I try to, I try to pull it out and, and, and not have it there while I'm working on a, a piece of music because otherwise it can, it can definitely interrupt that process because they really are both very demanding and they don't necessarily want to work together all the time. Sure. It's almost like a left brain, right brain kind of thing. It's like, you know, it's kind of like a, a, a battle. You know, in some respects, you know. Yeah, it's see. I feel like I use both. I feel like it, I I'm, I would use both left and right in developing a module. It's just that a module. I think my responsibilities at Make Noise are enough to where they have the capability of interrupting almost anything. So. Sure. Well, that's, yeah, it's a big company. Now, how many people do you guys have working for you now at this point? We're usually hovering around 15. Um, and, and then we have, um, and then we have, uh, contract manufacturers that we use in Atlanta and LA. Um, and then also we get some parts made in Chicago. We used to use a place in Florida, but during the pandemic, they, they, they are, I don't think they're serving us anymore. I think we had to go somewhere else for that. Uh, but yeah, yeah, there's in the building, there's usually 15 people or so. I see. Do you guys find a typical um, design creation process? Is it like, uh, is it like something that you've developed over the years where you have, okay, this is the flow chart, how this is going to happen? Or do you feel like each project is going to have its own flow chart kind of thing? <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. man, I, I, I think some of the staff here would love it if we had a real organized flow chart type <laughs> process. But I'm all over the place and usually chasing five things at once and then of those five things one might actually see the light of day so yeah unfortunately we don't really have like a well-defined process and um that well that and in some ways yeah that makes sense in a way because it's like how do you conceptualize um designing a musical instrument it's like you can't like it's it's like it's like writing a symphony it's like you can't just like snap your fingers and say okay today we're gonna start this it's like I mean, tell me, like, when you get an idea for a new um, module or, or a new a, a new innovation, or how how long does that bounce around in your brain before you decide, hmm, I'm going to do this? Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> that's changed a lot over the years. So, if you went back to the times of like doing a module like the Renee, for example, um, it 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 was, uh, I mean, it didn't bounce around for long. It was like the moment the uh, concept occurred to me. I started trying to develop it. Originally, I was using uh, Logic, actually discrete Logic. I seized the first version of Renee, and then I eventually found a person who could uh, reduce the number of ICs a great deal by coding it for a microcontroller. Um, But yeah, back then, there just wasn't as many modules out there. So almost anything that wasn't already done by Dieter Dopfer was probably a good idea to chase. Um, if you fast, I see. Yeah, if you fast forward to today, um, ge- generally, if I have an idea today, I assume that someone else has already done it, and I I go and I look at Modular Grid, 
and um, and see what else is out there. And if if you know, sometimes I look and I see someone's nailed it. You know, like I will look and I'll see um, a module from a company like Intelligel or TipTop, and I'll think I'll look at how they've done it and they nailed it. And it's like, well, this was a cool idea, but yeah, Daniel or or Gurr. Well, they had the idea already, and not only did they have it, but they did it really, really good. Sometimes you go and you look, and you see, um, well, this person did this, but not the way I would like to see it done. I think it could be done differently, or or maybe even better. And and so then I might I might continue chasing the idea. Um, but wow, I mean, there is just so much has been done, and there. I don't think you know people talk about. The pioneers, you know, they talk about Don Buchla, Bob Moog, Serge, um, you know, some of the others, you know, uh, I think some of the other companies started chasing. Yeah, EMS, sure, that's a great example, perfect example, actually, of another true pioneer. Um, but then it's like, if you look at Eurorack today, I mean, it's, it isn't the pioneer or the pioneers as in a handful I mean, there is is more pioneers than you could even name off the top of your head. There are so many companies doing so many just radically different um, developments. I mean, the 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 depth of development in Eurorack is is um, I mean, it's it's almost unbelievable when you look at it as a whole. Not not just one company, but as a whole, when you look at at it, I mean the the the, the rate the range of development and the the, the, the different, um, I mean it's, it's just it's almost it's almost unfathomable for me. I mean when I think back like twenty years back and I look at what was exciting in a modular synthesizer, <laughs> and then I think. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, it's just so dramatically different. And and yes, you know, Don Buchla and Bob Moog and 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 Serge, they, these were and EMS were definitely pioneers in 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 synthesis. But I think Eurorack as a whole is is um, is a pioneer on a level that we we never even knew was possible. It's just so much. It's, it's so much has happened. It is hard to keep. Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good. Well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Track it at all. And you guys keep hitting home runs. I mean, like, let's talk about the XPO. That that doesn't sound like any other oscillator I've ever heard. You know, and I, I I've I've gone I go way back to the Korg MS twenty, which I love that filter. By the way, that's like my one of my favorites. And you know, I mean, I have a long history of messing around with electronic music since the late eighties. And the XPO doesn't sound to me like any other oscillator I've ever heard. With all those different outputs and the ways you can blend them, and with the FM control, and just I mean, it's just. Let's talk about the XPO because I think that was a total home run. Oh, you know? well, thank you. I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah, the XPO. So that is an example of uh, I had an idea. I, I was laying in bed one night. I couldn't sleep. And I was thinking about different instruments that I enjoy playing. And I was thinking about the OB-8. And I like how you can pan the voices. And I was thinking, how could you get something like that you know modular is i know that there's a lot of polyphonic modules um happening today or, or trying to happen um but but modular itself is doesn't really lend itself super well to uh poly- polyphony polyphony um for me i i just i enjoy playing something like the ob8 more than trying to create polyphony in the modular system but I still, sure. something about, you know, how you have this really simple stereophonic effect in the OB-8, uh, it was just really pleasing. And I thought about some different ways that that could be achieved. And, you know, the OB-8, I mean, the best thing about it is to also, well, one of the best things about it is the PWM. So I was thinking about PWM and then I started thinking about how that's a pretty simple circuit and it would be pretty it'd be possible to fit two of them in a fair amount of, you know, a reasonable amount of space and so on. And, and so the idea just, just kind of grew from there of, of, okay, well, what else can I do? I have stereo, I have two pulse width modulation circuits. What else works with that? And then the oscillator kind of grew into this um, idea of having a lot of different outputs that you could then blend down, you know, down uh, further down in a mixer and then go into your filter or whatever. Because again, that's something else that I like in modular and that even started with the dpo the dpo has six outputs which at the time was a lot um these days maybe not so much but at the time six outputs seemed like a lot of of outputs a lot. Yeah. yeah and so that's one of the nice things about modular where you can take one oscillator core but process a lot of different outputs from it in different ways so you build this complex chain of events from a single sequence yeah so you have a single sequence playing 
but you're you're gating it different each output differently or you're affecting them differently or filtering them differently so that it ends up sounding like more than just a single sequence the way it would sound if say, that's what i love yeah. that's 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 exactly what i love about the xpo i can send you know one to like the the q pass i can send one to like you know an eventide misha like to mm-hmm. you know have those t- like triggering each other like yeah. and confusing each other and i mean it's like it's really endless it's it's in a, but i love the filter in it it's like it's got this like especially when you go i'm trying i'm looking at my module here it's the bottom right one it's the modulate second to the top but i can't see my i need glasses but anyway the the, the tones that you get out of that some of the bandpass stuff it's almost like like a 303 but but different you know um just super super useful super musical i just i'm in love with that uh module oh yeah. are you talking about the QPOS now or the, uh, no i'm talking about the uh xpo oh, the xpo yeah the bottom bottom right that's the wave folder i think right the wave folder output yeah 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 yep that gives you that 303 kind of like growl like oh it growls for really... sure for sure yeah and having two of them yeah really can get uh to be quite the uh the the harmonic uh harmonic rainbow i mean this is like it's it's a lot but um so that's an interesting one it's so beautiful originally i had a uh, a kind of um it's it's somewhat classic circuit it's like a analog super saw type circuit and it was in stereo um and it sounded good but it didn't the modulation wasn't very dramatic and that's one of the things that i've always tried a, a running theme through make noise um designs is i like i like cv inputs to be pretty dramatic and that's one of the reasons why i always like to have um as much as possible attenuators and attenuators built into the module so that you can dial in more subtle effects as well and um so that yeah that the super saw type sound in stereo it sounded good but it wasn't it didn't modulate very dramatically and so but it had a lot of circuitry so when i pulled it off of the pcb there was this big um empty space and i thought well i mean there's enough room to throw a, a dual you know a stereo wave folder in and that's so that's how that that ended up being it was kind of one of the last things i added to it honestly there was two prototypes that didn't even have that on there it's my favorite knob on there <laughs> <laughs> I love all of them though. I like taking the, the you know the mono ones out too. Mm-hmm. Like it, 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 it's just I mean you can there's a crazy amount of possibilities. You know. Yeah, when you start mixing them, yeah, it, uh, it's definitely um, one of the beauty I think of one of the beauties of modular is is being able to to combine a lot of different signals to have different effects. Things you wouldn't think to do, or they just don't let you. Sure. Do in uh, most poly instruments or even the uh, you know mono sense you know like in modular if you want to take um gate sequences from three different gate sequencers and um merge them all together and send that you know result somewhere you can do that and you might end up with something really interesting um and different you yeah. know and that's what i love about the the possibilities and walker is 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 a, the way his mind works I, I i i can't tell you how many times i've you know stolen borrowed you know philosophies from him because he's he just almost he almost thinks it as he's doing it it's just really really cool yeah yeah i think so i think that is a stream of consciousness for sure sometimes um from the xpo we had this is like so much fun for me but i want to get on to the um the spectrophon because that's the latest uh offering from make noise and i haven't gotten too far into it because it's 
it's really different and like I everybody that I see doing videos is doing cooler stuff than me on it so I'm not really there yet maybe you can just give us I know it's I know it's crazy the possibilities tell us about uh, the design and the, how that came to be well the good thing is that you've you've got all all the time in the world to to explore it so I mean I always you, you, there's nothing wrong with 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 not um, understanding something right away in my opinion because i think it gives you something no, to I look agree. forward to you know later you can look forward sure. to learning more about it um i am still learning about the spectrophone um so that was a very long development and it started with wanting tom herb to have a uh, a voice module in the system because all the modules he had done um most of them uh, there was the telharmonic but we weren't making that anymore but you know usually he was doing signal processing you know so mimeophone echophone are both more you know there's signal processing morphogene i guess you could say was a voice module but also that was um less yeah it was also less his you know conceptually um that was not really his you know that would be, he, he it wasn't really his um concept you know i don't think that was what his um his idea of a voice in a modular system would be that was i mean to be frank it was my my idea of like what something like that should be it stemmed from the original the phonogene um so i really wanted him to have his voice module and he presented us with this idea of uh, of spectral based synthesis where you would feed it a sound and it would basically look at several frequency bands in the sound and measure those the i guess the energy levels you could say and then take those measurements those are a text file basically and they become a uh, a table i guess or a guide for uh, an oscillator and <laughs> it's extremely abstract and it took us a really long time to get it into a user interface that made sense from a musical standpoint, as opposed to just from like a uh, scientific standpoint. That was the biggest struggle. You know, his algorithm was up and running pretty quickly, but then it was this thing of, well, how do we do something with this algorithm? And it's, uh, I mean, I'll be honest with you, there's still times when I'm using it that I don't fully understand what I'm doing and that's fine I mean I'm not I don't need to understand everything <laughs> yeah it can be a really wonderful place to be it's an endless journey exactly you know? that's what I love about it so I think you know this the big struggle wasn't you know he, he he'd had this idea for this this synthesis voice that he wanted to do the real struggle was figuring out how to make it into a module that could exist in the modular system and be functional in the modular system. And that's- In that size too, I mean, that's crazy. I mean, if you think about like the early Roland stuff, like the 330s and like the, you know, if you get into voice, what do you call it? Um, vocoder technology. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were, those were huge like units. Yeah, they were yeah. heavy and there was like, I mean, so the fact that you guys took that concept and, and made something completely new out of it is just, incredible right right so that's the other piece yeah you really have to distill it into a handful of parameters that modulate well you can have more parameters but the more parameters you have 
either A, you have to have, um, you have to spend more money on analog to digital, or uh, B, you end up with, with parameters that are sluggish when you're doing uh, DSP. And we really don't like that. <laughs> the sluggish Yeah, there stuff. must be a lot of commute. Yeah, there's a lot of calculations going mm -hmm. on. So like the fact that the fact that everything happens so instantaneously when you turn knobs and stuff, I mean, I mean, what kind of DSP goes into something this complex? I mean, it's 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 almost like you have like a what are those 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 little tiny computers, raspberries. It's almost like you guys oh, have raspberries yeah. inside. So, the thing. yeah, no, we never use anything like that. A computer, single board computers, yeah, like the BeagleBone or the Raspberry Pi, those are cool, but um the thing that I've seen with those is that they still have to have an operating system on there. So you're running a software on top of an operating system. So so that's more lag. A little bit. It can be. Yeah, you really, um, you know, obviously modern computers are so powerful that it doesn't matter. Um, and, and I'm sure eventually things like the Raspberry Pi will reach that point. Um, so what we what we use is a it's a it's a more general purpose um, microcontroller. Uh, the SCM32, which actually a lot of com companies in Eurorack use <clears throat> STM32s. Um, it's it's an ARM, it's uh, which is 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 a type of of uh, processor. It's um, they're fairly affordable. <coughs> Excuse me. They have a lot of pins, which you know that's the other thing about modular is there's a lot of I/O. So. Sometimes when you look at digital devices where there's just, you know, a few encoders and a stereo out, um, you know, those encoders are pretty easy for a computer to read. And, you know, you really aren't doing a lot of heavy lifting as far as the I.O. But with modular, it's all about the I.O. It's still it's a digital device that's existing in an analog uh, environment. So you're still having somebody's still patching a maths, a cycling maths into the input, and they might be changing the cycle rate from from uh, 30 seconds to one kilohertz. And this you know little computer in there has to be tracking that the entire time, and that type of thing does eat up a lot of resources. So the STM32, uh, it's a good. It's a good device to use for this type of development. Um, so yeah, that's what we have in there. And it runs, it doesn't run so software, it runs something called firmware. And the, the thing about firmware is firmware only does, it's one thing. <laughs> so it's a little bit lighter weight than, than a software running on an operating system. It's, it's more like a software that's just running all the time. So as soon as you power on a, as soon as you power on a Spectrophone or a Mimeophone, it's it's doing the thing. The mimeophone only does the mimeophone, and then as soon as you turn it on, it starts doing it as as quickly as possible. I love the mimeophone, by the way, too. That's like just such a rich. That has such a very analog sound to it. Well, you know? yeah, so um, yeah, I'm I'm glad you noticed that. That is that's something that I like about Tom. So Tom's a little older, and yep. he spent you know a good a good part of his life he spent playing and listening to analog instruments. Um, I know he's very fond of, for example, the Sequential Pro One. He had one of those for a long time. But I mean, also it's just, I, I mean, the guy, you know, he, he's he's developing an echo, but this is a person who spent a lot of time using tape echoes or using 
um, Bucket Brigade echoes in his own music over the course of his life. So he knows what these things sound like. He knows how it feels to use them. He's not watching a YouTube video of it. He experienced it firsthand. So. It's a different thing. Yep. Yeah. And they're, they're rubbery. There's a rubbery kind of like visceral, like gooeyness to them. Like, like I, I think it's the old Motorola ones that are like, um, you know, the, the ones that they don't make anymore. I forget. The, oh, the, I think the that's the, the Reticon, isn't it? The Reticon yeah. SAD yeah. 1070 or whatever. Yeah. 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 It, yeah, like a lot of those, like like say the DM, the old uh, mm-hmm. you know Boss yeah, DM one, yeah. like it's just this. There's a certain creaminess that's really hard to describe, but I I think um, when you when you when it's done right, you're it's 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 amazing, you know. And you guys really nailed it on that. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. he's, I think you know him having all that experience in, um, you know, I think his you know just being alive for a long time and playing a lot of analog stuff has given him a good appreciation for that and so he you know something that tom thinks about a lot is uh saturation for example even in instances where saturation might not even seem like it matters he's still thinking about it and i think the reason for that is that he knows that you know in an old an old mixing console for example um sometimes you know those the saturation in an eq or, or in a, uh, um, you know, in the, even in like the bus, you know, ma- you know, master bus or, or on uh, the, the front end can be very helpful, can be forgiving in a way that can make it easier to get good sounds. Yeah, yeah. And so I think he spends a lot of time. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I think he spends a lot of time thinking about, you know, how to use saturation in the digital realm in order to make these, um, these, somewhat unforgiving processes a little more forgiving because that's the really what makes the mimeophone so uh so fun is that it's a very forgiving digital delay uh it's 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 harder to make it sound bad which is what you want in an echo because an echo is usually not the source of of your your musical flow it's usually something that you're applying um and and so if, if it's obstructing that path, if it's obstructing the musical flow, it's become useless. So I think having an echo that that fits easily into what you're doing can be very, uh, very helpful. That's cool. Yeah, there's a, a modern take on saturation seems to get skewed. Like there's so many things that come out saying, you know, like emulating vinyl, for instance, and like, and it'll be like, it makes me seasick when I listen to it. Uh-huh. I'm like, well, the only the only records that ever sounded like that were the ones that you left in your car in the sun, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so it's funny how over over time, like the perception of what analog, quote unquote, you know, it's like it's funny because like the, the big the I keep I bring this up almost every episode, and I, I I'm I'm slowly getting used to like the cassette audio, um, uh, you know wave that a lot of these young people are getting into and some people are doing some really amazing things in it but sometimes i just can't resist commenting on their instagram posts like oh we used to have a guy in a white lab coat that would fix that (laughs) (laughs) there was a lot to do with analog that wasn't ugly and distorted you know it's like absolutely i think that's what you're talking about you know there's there's complexities that are way more detailed than that it's not as simple as just saturating it to the point where it's you know distorted but anyway that's that's me you know up on my soapbox being <laughs> the old dude i'm i'm you know i'm i'm into like all this stuff and you know it's just been you know i want to have you back sometime with walker and i think it would be fun to do a uh, one where we film it and like maybe do some live stuff like we're you know 
like a workshop kind of thing, like in real time. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, Something like sure. That? Yeah. I just, I just, I think I'm, I'm just so into this and it's like, we've got like a, a really beefy double episode here. And I feel like we kind of just scratched the surface um, of, of stuff. I mean, we went from the wobble bug all the way up to the XPO and the, and the spectra fund. So you know, I definitely want to have you back. And um, I just wanted to thank you so much for, uh, for being here today and it's i could go i could do another two hours <laughs> i've got a session i've got a session here uh, in three minutes ago oh okay yeah <laughs> well i don't want to hold you up no no but it, no oh no no no, no. <laughs> I, i'm i just wanted to tell you that um, i'm just so excited and blown away by everything yeah great yeah thanks for having me i hope hope you have a good recording session yeah man let's let's keep in touch i want to i'd love to keep this going because uh i think um we have a whole little subculture of people that are going to really dig this Going to wrap it up with Moonlit Through a Veil of Smoke, another track from Tony's incredible modular album, Breakin' is a Memory.
Anthony J. Resta signing off. Studio Secrets A to Z. See you next time. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.